Episode 39 is here on Commentator's Corner and for those people that will notice who the man is to um, the right hand side of your screens or uh, in the in the interview booth if you're actually listening online, I've got the one and only Mr. David Perell in the house. David, it's good to see you again. We bumped into each other quite a few times in 2023, but how are things? Uh, great, thanks for having me here, yeah, Alex. I'm looking forward to chatting all things racing. Yeah, and some racing. So let's see where we go with this. Well, David, what I do like to get all my guests to do is to, uh, for those uninitiated uh, of the viewers and listeners out there, can you just give us a brief introduction of who you are and what you do, please, in your own time? Yeah, sure. Uh, David Perrell, um, born in South Africa, now live in England and London. Um, been a sort of racing game fan my whole life, and always dreamt of becoming a professional racing driver started karting in my teens stopped around the age of 21 22 um focused on uh, a web development business with my brother and then around the age of yeah 30 i was watching lamar i always watched lamar the whole way through and um sort of around midnight saw a guy standing in pit lane ready to get in the car and i thought to myself imagine what that feels like um and literally the following Monday decided to pursue to take one more shot at becoming a racing driver um, and eventually became one professionally uh, raced at Lamar as well in 21 and 22 um, and now run Coach Dave Academy mm-hmm. which is like a coaching and setup business for sim racing and also the sim grid which is a competition platform for sim racing probably one of the biggest at the moment brilliant well I mean let's get on with sim grid first of all um my sim racing commentary history is also intertwined with uh, with SimGrid. Yeah. Um, I think out of you and our good learned friend, Mr. Michael Hamlet, who is effectively your right-hand man, we met each other first. But the, the story was that um, David actually posted on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called now. I, I, I stick to Twitter because it's easy. It's what Me everyone too. remembers what it is. Um, that, some, uh, that he was at Spark Cops Raceway. Uh, which is one of the main circuits in South Africa, said maybe a comeback's on the card. And uh, at that time, I was doing the commentary for the Euro Trophy, and David's name actually pinged up on the entry list. And I was like, David Peril, South Africa, London. And I was like, no way. And the first person that I make a beeline for is is David. What was it? We were talking, I think it was like the Thursday I rocked up, and we were, you just come off a free pra- one of your free practice sessions. And you were like a, a kid in a candy store, grinning from ear to ear, because it'd been the first time in a long time that you'd yeah. been behind the, you know, the wheel of a Rotax. Uh, and he was running in DD2 Masters, but it, it was, it was quite cool. We got that opportunity to finally catch up in person, didn't we? Yeah, uh, at the beginning of the season, um, the, usually I do around between ten or twenty races per year in GT, um, but this year I made a decision to sort of focus purely on on the ELMS series and didn't pursue any other seats. To be fair, I don't know if I would have got anything else, but I didn't actually pursue anything, um, which meant six race weekends. So I decided to do some some karting at the beginning of the year and I threw myself into the deep end um, and went into the Euro Trophy. 
in the Rotax. Um, the last time I'd raced a Rotax was 2013, mm -hmm. um, also in DD2s. Um, but even prior to that, um, my karting career sort of peaked at Rotax World Finals, Grand Finals mm -hmm. in 2007, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I finished sixth in that one. I was lead, I went for the lead, ran wide, and didn't win the World Championships and never forgave myself in Senior Max. And that was one of the reasons why I was motivated to come back to racing, just to, an element of it was to prove to myself that I can actually compete at the highest level mm -hmm. of the category with, that I'm in. So it was really fun to just smell the tires and the fuel from karting and race race in a big karting event again. Um, I wish I could do more, but the, those races aren't cheap. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd probably end up spending my entire racing driver salary just to do the Euro Championship. So I'm going to have to wait for um, Simgrid or Coach Dave to be a bit more successful so I can do some more karting. <laughs> well, we, you might have to give Calvin a call on that one as well, because uh, if anyone oh, might have seen he's it... He's going to join me in the next one. That's yes, cool. yes. Calvin van der Linde. We were going to do that one together. Yes. We're, the plan was, we were both, he set me up with Craft Motorsport. Yep. It was meant to be me and Kelvin. It was kind of all happening. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, he got a call to go do the Formula E in India, I think. So I was like, dude, obviously you have to go do that. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Robin Frines had, uh, had a wrist injury, if Bust I remember. Bust his yeah. wrist, yes. Bust his wrist. And then, yeah, I had the, the opportunity of doing the Formula E commentary in, in German at Berlin uh, in late April, which was like about two mm -hmm. months after the Winter Cup. Um, but SimGrid uh, is one of the most recognisable platforms, of course, originally started on Assetto Corso Competizione, but has now expanded exponentially. Um, I still remember getting a shout from our good friend, former colleague of yours, but also the man who runs SimStaff, Josh Martin. He gave me, oh, a, sure. he gave me a, a shout and said, um, yeah, might want to keep you, might want to get you to do something at SimGrid. And then David Christie gives me a, a nudge and he said, do you fancy doing the British classics at Silverstone? And I went, yeah, yeah okay. And, and like, it was just, a, it was just like, I really enjoyed it. Um, I know that uh, our good friend, Mr. Mike Yao has been trying, he was trying to get me to uh, come and do the, I think it was the content creator event. And I was actually already booked and I went, yeah, someone got there first. It's sort of like one of those problems as a sim racing commentator that, you're getting pulled everywhere. But um, you've been a, a sim racing fan for quite a long time, also an ambassador for Thrustmaster. How did the genesis of, of SimGrid come about from, from your perspective? What was the what was the sort of like initial idea and how did it sort of come to fruition? Um, the, the premise of SimGrid I'd already experimented with when I was around 20-ish years old, which was 18 years ago. Um, Pre-Twitter, actually, specifically. I remember that because the only way to promote the the platform, which was called GT Planet, uh, GT Playground, was on like forums like GT Planet. Um, it was a Gran Turismo-focused website where you posted lap times. Um, this is a, before online racing was available, Gran Turismo 4, um, and you could compare yourself against other players. And there was leaderboards, and people had to... to prove that they did the lap time by recording this, taking the replay off a memory card using a special like device, I forgot what it's called now, and then you could put it onto your memory card on the other mm -hmm. side of the planet and review the video, make sure you didn't touch any walls and had ex at least two tires on the track at any given point. Mm -hmm. 
And I think we got to the point, we, it was just me. I built this thing in a programming language called Cold Fusion, gtplayground.com. I regret losing that domain. Um, it got to a point where I think I had around 10,000 lap times on the platform, but I couldn't think of ways to keep it alive because costing money and so on. So I just kind of like let it fade away. And then I'd always had this idea when I'd finished racing, I'd come back to tech and ideally come back to sim racing. I'd already sort of developed a relationship with ACC at that point, helping them um, with the sound and the physics in, in ACC. So I was starting to get into the more hardcore sim racing stuff um, before COVID already. I had a YouTube channel as well where I was doing um, voiceover videos of my races, voiceover videos of, of sim racing as well, very much like what Super GT was doing mm -hmm. and um, had a really good following there. But always thought the idea of SimGrid would come much later in my life, like, you know, 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. I already had the domain in 2019, I think. Um, but then when COVID hit, I was like, well, got nothing to do here. Um, Coach Day was up and running at the very beginning of COVID. It took me about two weeks to build and launch the website with James Parker producing the setups. So then I was able to use some of the cash that we were making from Coach Dave to to start SimGrid. And that's sort of the genesis. Um, SimGrid started as a place where we would create our own championships for people to race on. Mm -hmm. And my ambition was to be like the Formula One of sim racing in terms of professionalism, broadcasting quality, and so on. But I realized that we couldn't create races every single day of the week. So um, we opened it up to other communities, starting with uh, SOP from, by Simon Bagus and so on. Simon R is a writer for us, an editor at Coach Dave. Um, so yeah, it started in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, like it went live in 2020, but it's been something on my in my mind since the early days of GT Playground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, you managed to. I think um, there was a. I think there was a fellow countryman of yours that actually was on the commentary team as well. I, I'm trying to remember his name. Kyle. Not Kyle, Kyle. Kyle Lawrence, by any chance, is it? Kyle Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. We raced ProTax together. Yeah, because yeah. he's qualified for the Bahrain and he's uh, <laughs> for this year. Are you serious? I'm serious, man. I, I will. Oh send... my lord! I need to message him. Yeah. Yeah, we we raced seniors like yeah. back in the day. Yeah, 2006 he, and 7. Yeah, well, Kyle's actually qualified, and I think he's running him. Um, I'm going to go to the wonders that the wonder that is the Rotax Global app because, uh, yeah, I am heading out to Bahrain because Rotax have got me check down. The, check the 2007 Grand Finals. He was in DD2. Uh, two seconds. And he um, he was he was on course to win that thing, um, and then in the the pre-finals he had a failure. Yeah, he's uh, he's running Masters. Yeah, I mean, we're old now, 38 and probably 36-ish. So, yeah. but if he's up against Morgado, he has no chance. <laughs> no, no, Chris, Cristiano has now become more of a... a, a he was actually... Because he was due to compete at Campilos, but he had an injury. Yes. And he yeah, didn't want to aggravate yeah. it. And he's, he was with the team at, I think it was uh, War Motorsport. Um, and he was just coaching them. He was just coaching them because okay. I had the chat to, you know, the most successful man in grand finals history five times a grand finals champion um and there's a couple of drivers that might get close to it mark kimber's trying to go for a, a second senior rotax title in three years I saw that. Yeah. which is crazy um he's very good yeah. yeah but yeah i mean i'm really really pleased for carl so 
yeah, I'm f- I'm flying out uh, the, the, on on the week that we are actually recording this, folks. But I think it's really really good that you know uh, with SimGrid, of course, there's been the partnership with um, AK Informatica and SRO Esports. Obviously, there's yeah, you know the the, the likes of even when a lot of people were very, very surprised when they heard uh, a certain David Addison's voice on there, uh, which... Uh, That's it, very cool. Which is really cool because That's he is, the, cool. he is the, 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 the main man when it comes to Fanatec GT World Challenge, of course. You're, uh, in a... But also in, in, in pretty much all of motorsports at the moment, it's probably... <laughs> I know. You, you want to either hear your name being called by Martin Brundle, Martin Haven, or David Addison. Like, he's top three at the moment, so... Yeah, um... Yeah, he's he's as busy as ever. That guy. Uh, he's either doing yeah. Formula One at Silverstone every single year. He's at pretty much every single British Touring Car Championship round. Uh, he wasn't at every. He was at Macau when he did Grand Finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I know. He's... Poor old David. Um, I think he'd. I think he'd gone on a marathon, uh, half marathon or something, and twisted his right ankle and was in a one of those moon boots. So. Um, Alan Hyde was comment, uh, you know, congratulated him every time he got up from the grid walk and managed to get back up to the commentary yeah, sure. booth. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I've been a part of the the, the SimGrid broadcasts as well. We've had the likes of Andy McEwen, uh, one of the more notable voices, like say TCR UK, British GT. Um, but when when it comes to like giving the opportunity for the leagues to organize their own events uh, and using the the SimGrid platform. Uh, how much coding and how much development has there been over the genesis of SimGrid since like since it became SimGrid from from GT Playground? It's oh, huge, yeah. It's huge. I mean I often tell people they they think that these platforms are only expenses hosting, but the development costs and the investment in marketing and mm-hmm. having the right people full-time to make sure things are running on the day-to-day in terms of like answering the queries of drivers and communities and, and so on, improving, improving communities, helping them get set up. You know, it's in the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of euros to have gotten SimGrid to where it is today. And literally every penny that Coach Dave makes goes into SimGrid, which is essentially a free platform, mm-hmm. which is insane. Um, but yeah, we have... At any given point, a minimum of two devs working on SimGrid. We have Michael Hamlets, who's coordinating. I've got a marketing team and a, and a writing team as well um, who freelance for it. But, you know, at the end of the day, most of them are working. They're doing something for it at least once a day or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, as a result, um, we have over 500 communities have created an account um, on the platform and over 300 of those have created an event at least at one point in in the lifespan of, of SimGrid. So it is working and I do have ambitions for it to become like the platform of sim racing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a very long road and it's going to take so much more investment. So I just have to keep creating products that people want to pay for so we can make SimGrid what I dream for it to be. Yeah, I mean, as you said, Coach Dave Academy is um, is another part of it. Um, the, the the whole sort of like uh, Perel network, so to speak. But it's also uh, you know started off with giving advice in terms of uh, easy digestible content, especially on the Coach Dave Academy YouTube channel. Um, there are live streams which 
does also give a lot of opportunities for drivers that people will know of through the sim racing community and actually have the little tips and tricks. Um, that must be going pretty, pretty well for it to be able to, for you to be able to put the money that's been provided through Coach Dave Academy into SimGrid as a, as a direct correlation. Yeah, yes. Um, so Coach Dave first started as my just me being a YouTuber. I started the YouTube stuff to stay busy between races. Um, when I was still trying to become professional, I needed to find ways to make money. So I was at one point I had a Patreon account and people were supporting me through that. And that enabled me to like upgrade my PC and so on. So I could like start doing proper sim racing outside of Gran Turismo um, in London. And as a joke, I think, I can't remember if it was my brother in one of the streams or someone else, but they're like, you should, you should do some coaching. You know, you should coach some races. And I'm like, no one's ever going to do that. No one's ever going to buy that. But I stuck up on my davidperil.net, like my personal website. I stuck, stuck up a, a landing page forward slash coaching. Mm -hmm. I think that was already, I already made, I put, created this, this coach Dave logo like was whipped up in 10 minutes, um, stuck it on there. And I think within 10 minutes of going live with that, what I thought was a joke, I got a coaching booking, which I couldn't believe. Mm. Like someone was like, oh, I want to, I want you to teach me how to become a better driver in my rig. Um, and this is, this is pre COVID and stuff. And so I'd do that through the YouTube's, um, channel for a while, um, not broadcast the coaching sessions, but I kept live streaming and so on people kept booking um and then it sort of evolved into what it is today which is majority is uh, we sell acc and iRacing setups under a subscription so you can subscribe to to this thing and you get both those setups um and th that came from me coaching a guy called james parker he contacted me hey i want some coaching on acc and uh just already in the warm-up laps at the beginning of the session, I was like, hang on a second, this guy, he can drive. He's like really quick. I don't know how I'm going to help this guy learn anything. Um, and already at that point, I was thinking, how do you make setups for ACC? Like it's done on iRacing with VRS and so on. How do you, how do you build a business around that? James was a really good driver, but I didn't know at that point that he could do setups. And then by coincidence, I was listening to a podcast from Chris Hay. Do you know Chris Hay? Yes. The YouTuber. Yeah. Um, and who was on it uh, was James talking about setups. So I said, Hey, Mr. Student, <laughs> do you want to do this thing? Um, I'll basically pay you to make setups. And, um, yeah, that's where it started. And these days we have, we now have just close to 40 engineers and drivers working on ACC and iRacing setups. And all the engineers are qualified real life engineers. Some of them are. Um, XF1. Mm -hmm. Some of them are currently in WEC, currently LMP3, currently GT3s, and they work with our esports drivers. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously you always wanted to do better, but it's it's done enough where I can employ the people that I need to um, mm -hmm. for Coach Dave and for SimGrid, which makes me really proud because you know when I started both of those businesses, a lot of the stuff was volunteer work. I think we were, for example, we were one of the first sim racing platforms to to pay the stewards, you know, for their time in a 24-hour race and so on. Up until then, it was volunteer work. I couldn't believe it. Um, 
So that's been really cool. And Coach Dave is now evolving. It's no longer going to be about setups. Last week, we started this like um, sort of launch thing where we're going, we're evolving into a tech company, which is always what I've what I've wanted our whole business to be. SimGrid is tech at the end of the day. Um, and now Coach Dave is evolving into tech through an app that we have where you can download your setups and so on. So that will grow beyond a setup download tool. will be a driver telemetry, not telemetry, but like a driver training tool very soon. So basically like say Motec set, you know, information, like say for breaking, uh, breaking inputs, throttle modulation, and then you get all the other bits and pieces like say camber, yeah. toe in, toe out. Uh, for those wondering what I'm explaining, for those that don't understand it, it's sort of like say, uh, you know, toe in, toe out is basically how like say the steering on a, on a GT3 car, you know, if it's towing out, it means that the, the wheels will be protruding a little bit out in terms of the the way it's pointing or towing in. They'll be pointing a bit more inwards. Camber will be mainly like, say, uh, for instance, you look at a GT3 car, you'll see that the sidewall of the car, the, 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 the side of the tyre in the wheel arch will be pretty much straight. But then you look at Australia supercars, they're, they've got like camber like that. So they're like literally... <laughs> bad negative camber so to try and rotate the cars through um but let's get on to your real life uh racing uh of course you mentioned about karting but for those that don't know uh the fanatec gt world challenge used to be under a different name which was Blancpain, and of course um you competed in the am category had a very successful 2017 with with kessel racing uh you've won at the 24 hours of spa in successive years in two different classes you've also run in uh, Italian GT um, and I, the, the funny thing is is that I've I will also link to to David's uh, YouTube channel where you'll actually see uh, the races that he's done in a multitude of cars I think you're, you've uh, I think if I remember correctly David your two adventures at Lamar were with was it Spirit of Race wasn't it uh, in 21 and 22 if I remember it's correctly Spirit of Race is A of Corsa, yeah. just under a different banner. Yeah. yeah. So um, when I came into racing overseas um, in GTs, I started when I was 30, which by it automatically makes you a bronze driver, mm -hmm. um, which a bronze driver is effectively an amateur. So I got to race in the sort of amateur categories. And to be fair, at that time, given that I'd been out of racing for so long, I'd been out of racing for seven years. Um, and, and the racing I'd done was karting. Mm -hmm. I'd done three formula races, but like we're talking zero practice. Mm -hmm. Literally, they launched the series and the first time I drove the car was free practice one. I think the next session was qualifying. Yeah. So that was, it wasn't really like enough, even close to enough experience compared to when I got into a Lamborghini at the Italian GT for the first time at Imola and was like, oh my God, <laughs> the weight of this car. <laughs> Jeez, this is, this feels a bit different to sim racing. That's for sure. Yeah. I was trying to use sim racing as a way to like stay sharp for the last seven years. Um, and uh, yeah, did Italian GT in this Lamborghini. We finished second in the championship. Um, at the time I was devastated. It was because of a puncture at the last race, etc. We had quite a little bit of um, unreliability through the season. But that kept me bronze for another year. That pushed me into GT3s with Kessel. We didn't finish the season together because my two co-drivers had a fight and they pulled out. Um, 
was kind of good timing because I didn't really have the funding to finish the season any case. Mm -hmm. But then Kessel called me again for 17 and where we won pretty much everything. By then, though, I was in the groove again, like well into the groove. I was probably in the groove already about the end of Talent GT, but I kept my bronze status. Yeah. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, go for it. Yeah, I was going to say because, um, you know, you've you've had a long association with the prancing horse, uh, for, you know, with Ferrari. Intentionally, yeah. Uh, and, and, and having that that opportunity to to represent Maranello and and obviously the respective teams like Kessel with AF Corsa through Spirit of Race um, was that something that was on your radar or was it just sort of something that came out of the blue? Oh no! I, my very first email to this sort of this, um, he became my manager in the first two years. Um, it was more like I wasn't exactly paying him to manage me, but a, a guy called Alan McDonald. Mm -hmm. um, he was a fellow South African and my old karting mentor, Claudio, put me in touch with Alan and Alan said, yeah, I know this team in, in the Italian GT and that's how I got into GTs in Europe. Um, my first email to Alan was, and Claudio was, I want to race in a Ferrari. And my whole life I'd had a, pictures of Ferraris on my wall. I've been a, obsessed with the Ferrari car brand. Mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily a massive um, Formula One Ferrari fan. It's worth noting that. Um, I was more like a driver fan for Formula One, but if I wanted a road car, it was going to be a Ferrari. Like that's what I wanted, but, you know. So when this opportunity with Kessel came up, last minute thing as always, that's how my, my career's always been sort of really last minute. Um, I didn't even think twice. It was like, okay, cool. I will find the money to pay this team, but I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And then... Once I started to get embedded with, with Kessel, I realized that there's an opportunity for me to be sort of a, an expert with the manufacturer. Um, so that if you ever needed a driver with my ranking, bronze or silver, I became silver, you would, I would be one of the people at the top of the list because I had so much experience in the car. Mm -hmm. And there was a point, and I don't think any other driver's ever done this, um, where I was racing for Kessel, AF Corsa, and Rinaldi racing in the same year. Three three Ferrari teams in the same year across GT World Challenge Endurance Sprint, Italian Endurance Sprint, um, Lamar, uh, European Lamar and Lamar, and Asia Lamar. Um, and yeah, uh, since between 17 and now, I've raced for quite a few Ferrari teams. A, of course, uh, Kessel, um, Hub Auto, even Iron Lynx. Which is probably going to be like the biggest career mistake I ever made was saying no to Iron Links, <laughs> and and Rinaldi and Rinaldi I've had the strongest connection with the the, the owner of Rinaldi Motorsports who's called Michele Rinaldi. He was the first guy to pay me a salary to race. Um, so 2018, I'd just been bumped up to silver. No one wanted me because I was a fast bronze, but who knows what he's going to be like as a silver. So I contacted Michele via Facebook messages, cold, cold contact. Yeah. He said, yeah, sure. Let's meet at some point. Um, I happened to be in Germany at that time. I drove to his workshop and waited in their sort of lunchroom until he had time for me. And then he said, okay, come do a test. And then it evolved from there. Initially I was racing for free. And then for the spa 24 hours, he said, I'll, you can be in the pro-am car and I'll pay you. And we ended up winning that race as well. So I, Thank God I justified his him betting on me. 
and also you making that commitment driving all the way to to Italy to the Rinaldi workshops and and just he's German. Oh, he's German. He's ah oh, well, yeah. That's well, that's that's quite a funny Rinaldi. Well, he's got Italian blood. Mm-hmm. Both his parents are Italian, but he was born and grew up in in Germany. He's got very much so. Uh, he's got an Italian temperament, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm super close with him. I I don't I, like I have my helmets here in the background. I never give them away. Never, never, never. They stay with me. But he was the only he was the, someone I gave one of my helmets to, like as an appreciation because the amount of opportunities Michele gave me to to race. Mm-hmm. Um, and like in, in real racing, the secret to being fast, obviously you need talents. There's no question. But if you want to be at the top of your game, you need laps. You ju- you need laps. You don't just like you do very little testing. And the only rate, time you really get to drive these cars is on race weekends. So like this year, when I only had six race weekends, I mean, it feels like you're relearning how to drive every time you get in the car. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I was racing with Rinaldi, um, there was I was driving the car almost every weekend from February to November. So you get really sharp, really good. You get close to the top and you start to believe like anything could be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think because uh, we, we were having a discussion, I think, um, I can't remember. I can't remember whether, because we, well, we caught up at the the expo. We bumped into each other when I was leaving Spa to go to Marienburg for, for Rotax because uh, you were there oh, supporting, yeah, yeah, yeah. you were supporting Kelvin because he was, uh, well, yeah, Kelvin and Sheldon van der Linde, both in two two respective teams in in the top, you know, in in the uh, the overall pro class, gunning for the overall win. Um, have you managed to get your backside behind the wheel of a two nine six GT three yet? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. And I, after it's phenomenal. It's fun. Cool. I was hearing things that um, it didn't have the same amount of power as a 48 GTE. So I was like, ah, oh. you know, that's the highlights. One of the highlights of the GTE is the torque. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of torque compared to a GT3. And GTEs are now being retired. There's no more GTE racing. It's done now. Um, but when I left the pits in the 296 and I released the pit speed, it wasn't so bad. Mm-hmm. And in next season in the ELMS and the WEC, um, the GT3 cars are going to have more power than they do in in the World Challenge. So we kind of like max out what's available within the GT3 power window, let's say, of the 296. And um, yeah, it's a weapon. It's a weapon. And uh, it was a mixed mixed weather on the day. So it was wet and then dry, wet and then dry. But so you didn't get like the full experience, let's say, of what it can actually achieve. Mm-hmm. Plus, you have to share it between three drivers. That's always a difficulty. Yeah. You know, um, but the, the laps that I did were just so fun. And I've been looking forward to it to the whole season. I couldn't wait. could not wait to drive it. Couldn't, 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 couldn't wait. Like a child, because I genuinely am a huge racing fan first. Mm-hmm. Like. I, I I can't believe I'm a professional racing driver. People pay me to race these cars. It's absolutely mental. And um, yeah, just every time you walk in the paddock and like you see these all these trucks and like I get to walk into the Ferrari trucks, which is the factory team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's insane. And then, you know, one of the engineers who rolls up to, to help in our car, he's part of the LMH program. So, you know, and then I get to hang out with the LMH drivers like Nielsen and, and Davide Rigon and Piaguidi. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, how the hell did this happen? It's just insane. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. I can't, I was literally just a guy sitting on my couch watching Lamar, like any other regular fan in when I was 29 years old and just under 10 years later, I'm chilling with the factory team of the Lamar winning hypercar class. Um, and racing in that team, wearing their clothing. I, just, I can't believe, I can't believe it every single day. You still have to pinch yourself on a regular basis, I bet. <laughs> I do feel like uh, when I'm sort of at the racetrack, especially now that I'm doing less main races, and the reason I'm doing less racing is to focus on SimGrid, Coach Dave. Um, I feel like when I'm there, it's a different persona. It's like a cape. Because mm -hmm. when I'm at my desk, like I am now, I'm just chatting to my team and writing code and pushing pixels around with the with with all of them. So I spend most of my time pushing pixels and writing code and talking strategy than I do racing. <laughs> so it is this different persona at the racetrack. Yeah, it is. And and also uh we have to say congratulations to Kelvin for getting the LM GT three drive with uh Akodis ASP uh for mm. for next season and he's gonna dovetail that with um, Ab Sports Line for DTM in 2024, and they've now got the Red Bull livery on their cars for for next year. I mean, you, you've known the the Vanderlinde family; you're very, very close to him. Um, I, I take it you guys keep in touch on a regular basis. I, I would imagine being all, at least once a week, yeah, at least once a week. Yeah, yeah. and we mostly uh, these days we just you know. We sharing rally videos or deep house music. <laughs> hey, brew, hey, brew, hey, brew, hey, brew. Listen to this. Oh, my Lord, listen to that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, occasionally we talk about racing. Obviously, he was, when when I was karting, he was in the junior juniors. I think he was in what we called then the baby karts, mm -hmm. um, cadets. Uh, so we, I didn't know him back then. And then he, he started racing in Europe before me, a year and a half, I think, before me, with Jordan Pepper. And... Um, didn't really know each other, but then I sort of, when you're at the racetrack and especially I was racing with Italian teams and no one speaks your language, it's not first language for them. Mm. So your conversations with foreigners is, is very short with when it's foreign language, you, you do feel like a sense of loneliness. So then I just kind of seek, was seeking out fellow South Africans to have a chat and, mm. uh, yeah, Calvin, Calvin was receptive and, uh, now we chat all the time and you know we're meant to do that karting race together and yeah i'm stoked that he's finally in WEC. his brother's going to be in the lmh oh yeah shelvin's oh. going to start in the lmgt3 so let's see i mean the bmw though uh, you never know actually because it's uh it's all about bop so oh God. yes yeah i i it i was waiting matter. for you to say that before i did and you you you've <laughs> We've mentioned those three words that everyone re equates to sports car racing, which is balance of performance, yeah. folks. Like, yeah, to get the, the Peugeot, for example, to be on par with Toyota and stuff. And, you know, they get different deployments with their electric motors at different uh, early in the, in the, in the speed cycle, let's say. Mm. 
So I think usually your electric motor can only deploy it like 180, but that's what balanced performance is there for. So they have so many more levers to pull on for LMH to bring them closer. Mm -hmm. It's good and it's bad. So, you know, and always I feel like BOP and you see it in sim racing all the time. It drives me nuts. The winners get no credits because it's just too easy to blame the BOP. And um, mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, Drivers also have to make no mistakes, you know, the whole season. You don't just drive around in circles at 80%. You're flat out. So, anyway. But BOP is going nowhere. And um, it was invented by Stefan Rattel. And uh, what a genius move. A genius move. I mean that sincerely because without BOP, yeah, you just wouldn't have GD3s like they are today. Because you could bring a Jaguar to a BMW M3 to or Z4, I'm talking about back in the day, to a Ferrari 430 Scuderia. Yep. And they'd be competitive. You could bring a Nissan GTR, that tank. It'd be competitive. Yeah. So you've got all these brands coming in. So credit to him. It's frustrates, it frustrates. It giveth and taketh. That's what it does. Well, I mean, we all know that Stefan is a very, very shrewd operator. He He is very, very good at what he does. And, you know, the amount of championships that... The SRO run um, is just a credit to what Stefan and the team in in France have done over the years, you know. And I think like it's like having seen how things have gone this year, and every single time there has been a Fanatec GT World Challenge broadcast, it doesn't matter if it's three o'clock in the morning and it's Asia and they're running at Suzuka or Fuji or whatever. I am I am watching it. Because, I mean, I grew up with Formula One back in the, the late 80s, uh, of course. Um, well, for those eagle-eyed uh, of you just over there, that is actually a replica of Ayrton Senna's 1994 helmet when he was racing with wheels Ooh. before he... Uh... Yeah, it was actually a gift from my parents, uh, which was... Um, and I can actually... There's a little bit of a story. This is actually... a. a a delayed Christmas present, and the really? thing was, they uh, it was through a company in America, and they my mum and dad received the first the first version of it, and dad noticed uh, orange peel paint runs and sent it back, and they contacted the the company and went, now you got to you know this this is substandard. This is for our son, who's a big Ayrton Senna fan, and he will, he will look over it with a fine tooth comb. And then, I think it came like February the following year. Um, Dad Perfect said, thing. Dad went, have a look on, have a look on the stairs. I'm thinking that, and I'm gonna actually, I, I'm gonna actually use the words. This is why this is a not for kids podcast. I went. That's a fucking helmet bag over there. <laughs> and like literally I've started welling up already because I've already got an idea, an inkling. Um and pulled it out of the bag. I was emotional, I was it was tears of joy. Um got to the point where my ear, my eye ducts were completely devoid of any sort of water falling out of them after five minutes. And then Dad said, Try it on. It actually fits. But it is staying in really? that polyurethane box. That is. Yeah, yeah. We'll I there. thought, you know, it's yeah. like, uh, 
Uh, and then there's a, a few cars up there, one of which is Lewis Hamil- uh, a model of Lewis Hamilton's uh, title-winning car from the Turkish Grand Prix. Uh, Sebastian Vettel, well, I think uh, that was Seb's car from Ferrari. I can't remember which race it was from. And then one car that was run by Danny Rick and Max Verstappen back in the old the Red Bull Rebel. days. So, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot more other bits and pieces. Um I, I would uh, actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn something around, and David, you'll see this as well. Is that is all my lanyards from every event that I've done so far in my career? Oh, I've got the same. <laughs> yeah, I've, they all hang on this trophy over here. Yeah, like a bit them. Yeah, yeah that, that's same, same vibe. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like the amount of lanyards, and and um, it's like when you you said earlier on in, in our chat that you know I can't believe I'm getting paid professionally as a racing driver i can't believe i'm living my dream as being a, a commentator and getting paid to do it which is you know we, we we love what we do but it never feels like work wouldn't you agree i don't know man when i'm sitting in the millionth like passport queue because of my south african what? passport or, oh god or the rental cars queue i i do Especially when you're doing those 20, 25 race years, it is mm. oh, rips you to pieces. Um, you can definitely have too much cake. That is for sure. And okay. Would I be doing anything else? No, um, <laughs> no question, but I've been, my, I've had my incorrectly. I've had my passport confiscated from me. I've had, um, I've been deported for no reason. Um, I've been put in that little box that you see people in the passport queue put in the box because they have to count my days. I have to go to Germany on Friday, on Saturday. And uh, yeah, that's going to mean like, I don't know, 30 minutes at the passport desk where they count all the stamps. And it's just like, there's elements I love to death about racing. Like I said, when you enter the paddock and so on, there's also elements where you just like, so yeah, yeah. but still all the jobs in the world i'm gonna take this one every day of the week so <laughs> despite don't get me wrong on that yeah despite all the shit roses yeah exactly um it ain't all sunshine and rainbows as they say uh, I, I, yeah no. i i completely understand with the the travel side of things because like i i think i've tallied it up that by the time i come back from the rotax grand finals I probably will have, I've actually, funnily enough, I've calculated it all on my phone and put it on the notes, which is just something, I probably will have covered about 37,500 kilometers in the air this year. Um, and that includes... For me, it's hotel beds. Oh. It's like, how many hotels have I oh, set up? I, I know. Like infinity. How, yeah, how many rental cars have I had this year? Yeah, so, um, but Bahrain is going to be the the longest because I'm flying from Heathrow Terminal Three, and the approximate distance is just shy of ten thousand two hundred kilometers, which is about six thousand three hundred miles. Um, and then I've got to take into account because one of the things I, I tend to miles on this. Huh? I hope you're earning miles on this. Uh, unfortunately, when some of the flights are by Ryanair, no. But at least the good thing is oh, I'm. Definitely. At least the good thing is I'm trying to I'm trying to fly British Airways so I get my Avios points. <laughs> Which... Yeah, that's what I started to do. I started to switch that. Yeah. I was going to give a quick segue to everybody. 
use whenever possible use the same rental car company and use the same airline as much as you possibly can yeah um, yeah uh, i've i've best advice oh and also uh if you use like hotels.com or booking.com book through them because you can oh yeah yeah you, you can get you get a lot of discounts oh you get lots of discounts and also if you save enough stamps you can get a free night somewhere or it will take the majority off of like say a one night stay if you've got an airport trip and it's an yeah. uh, it's a ridiculously bloody early like say six o'clock is when your flight is and you've got to be at the terminal at like say four o'clock to check your baggage in um which is yeah which is uh, uh, don't uh, apart from obviously like say the the passport troubles that you you know the what you just shared with regards to your traveling do, are you a person that is very much prepared that you've got the boarding card on your smartphone, you've got your passport ready, and then you see yeah. you see the people in front that are so disorganized, you're like thinking... I know, but I give them a pass because for most people, they're not traveling every... almost... No. Like if you're doing... if you're doing... if you're racing every weekend, you're traveling around every fourth day, you, you're at an airport ish yep. every fourth day ish so most people are traveling twice a year and uh they just can't possibly know the system i literally can tell you where the best charging ports are in a lot of popular airports mm-hmm. like if it's an emergency i'm like yeah well in barcelona you go there you go down these stairs you go to a little cafe and in that chair there's a charging port so you don't, you can stay <laughs> near your phone yeah i can do the same for the dubai airports how you know people st- they don't even know where to park the rental car like the amount of airports with that rental car sign, the drop-off sign is this small and you, you don't even know where to go to mm. drop the thing off. Or wait, so if you're returning via Milan, good luck finding a refueling station. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Uh, and good luck figuring out how to use the re- refueling station. Oh, so yeah. Uh, and word of advice, folks, if you are hiring a car from either Belgium or the Netherlands please be advised you've got to put your credit card in the machine by the petrol petrol pump so it then can dispense you the fuel. It's the only place I know of where you've got to prepay in a, or you basically put your card in, put in your PIN number, okay, you can start using that pump, maximum amount is X amount of euros. Um, it's the same with Denmark. Denmark, see, I, I, I did the... Um, Classic Kart Race 100 uh, 100cc European Grand Prix in Voyance earlier on this year and so the good thing was uh, it was Enterprise who I have an account with so I'm building points to try and get maybe a a rental car day free here or there on a future rental in 2024 but Robert Schlunzen who is the owner of the Voyance Motorsport Arena um, it's actually his uncle that is one of the customer service advisors at Enterprise in Bulland. And so he said, yeah, yeah, don't worry, I'll speak to my uncle, he'll sort you out. And so I said, yeah, just book me a Golf. His uncle puts me in a bloody A5 45 oh, TFSI. Like, literally, here I am in an A5 TFSI, and I'm like thinking, I've only got like an hour and a half drive, but then I was thinking, oh, shit, yeah, I've got all the toys, I've got Apple CarPlay, Bluetooth Apple CarPlay, uh, charging dock for the phone, plenty of luggage, nice smooth ride, happy days. Um, and then there's a petrol station right outside of Billund Airport. And for those that 
don't know Billund. Well, it's actually the global home of Lego. It's where Lego originates from. And from the airport, 15-minute drive away, is the Lego Global HQ and the museum. Uh, never been, but I'm going to try and make a beeline for that next year because they've asked me to come back again to do the uh, Classic Car Race 100cc European Grand Prix. And I've already put my dates in the diary, so which is which is going to be cool. But yeah, it, it's as David said, try and stick with the same flight provider, same hire car company. Um, you know, even if it might cost like 15, 20 quid more. Uh, and one other thing for you people out there, if you are having your expenses paid or you're claiming them back, get your rental cars fully insured. Get every single protection on there oh, you yeah. can. That's essential, yeah. Because um, there, there's... Uh, I remember going to Adria... Uh, for the Euro Trophy in 2019. So I've flown into um, Marco Polo Airport and Enterprise had run out of cars so they cancelled on me. Um, oh God, Mac, Macs always do that. Bloody hell. <laughs> it just started to put a, th- yeah, put a thumb emoji when I put... Um, so first of all, it was a case of Enterprise cancelled 48 hours beforehand. They So I phoned the branch and they went, unfortunately, we can't fulfil you, your reservation. And I said, but this has been booked for like six weeks. I'm over here. I've got to drive to Adria. No, we're really, really sorry. We can't help. I was like, okay. So I've gone with Europe car. So I've just booked like, uh, I've, I've, so I've got to wait for the pit lane reporter and the head of the stewards. So pit lane reporter lands two hours after me, absolutely fine. So by that time, I've picked up the hire car, and I've picked. Uh, so I've gone for like a cash car or you know sort of sort of size, and I've had to go with Europe car. Europe car have stuck me in a Citroen C5 Aircross, and I was just like, hang on, if we go down any small roads, I'm going to be worried about any wheels going off down. Like we get the elevated roads there, they're all over the place. They're like rickety. There's divots here and there, and you're you literally you look down and you've got no you've got no possibility of coming back if that car goes off of the tarmac. Like literally, you're on an. Uh, I think there was a little bit. There's a, a road actually outside of Adria, which was a 30 kph zone, and you turned onto the road itself. It's like going down a huge ditch, only the ditch is about six foot down. Uh, And I was like thinking, right, okay. So I've checked the car over. It's got a full tank of fuel. Driver's side and passenger side doors have had a... It's like someone's keyed it or something. Head of the stewards is late. Flight is delayed. So having to wait an additional hour, okay, not a problem at all. So we get to the track, all's good. Then I go to drop the pit lane reporter off at his hotel because he was flying back on the Monday. So I've driven to the local petrol station right by out, outside of um, Marco Polo Airport and my card's been declined. One other thing I will give you folks out there, if you do need hire car tips, make sure you double check what the rental deposit is. 
because you don't want it to be what I had. It can take up to 2,000 euros uh, off your account. Yeah. Um, it was a 600 euro rental and it was an additional 900 euro deposit. So yeah. my card at that point was maxed out. I couldn't fuel the thing. But it was it was a it was an HDI, so I had I luckily enough the the petrol gate the fuel gauge hadn't moved. Then they wanted to then they wanted to charge me when I had full insurance on the rental car because they said oh well this one uh, yeah well there was no damage on this and I said um, yeah there yeah there was showed in my iPhone because I'd taken pictures before I left in case they they asked me so yeah just be when you're renting cars just have a look at the terms and conditions because enterprise or six they'll probably in addition to the rental if you haven't prepaid they'll probably take they'll block off 250 300 euros on your card which is fine which is acceptable and especially if you've taken all the insurances um but yeah i think it's yeah travel is is a, a necessary evil in our in our game, as we've, we've both sort of like told our own respective stories, David. But um, what's. Uh, is there any exciting news that will be teased in the not too distant future about 2024? I'm doing ELMS again in the 296, which is cool because uh, it's very, very, very difficult for manufacturers now to get into these respective series. So, to basically two manufacturers. Two cars per manufacturer are allowed in WEC, and it's around the same amount for ELMS. So to be one of the drivers in that series is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I can't wait to start next season, but it's six months away. I think our first race is in April or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a long wait, but I'm going to be fully focused on Coach Dave and, and SimGrid. we got a whole bunch of products that we want to be announcing over the next few months. Um, we take a very short break in December because of all the things we have going on. Um, and I just love, love that part of, um, I love my job at, at Coach Dave and Sumgrid as almost as much as I love racing at the moment. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to spending time on that. And like my idea of a holiday is not traveling mm. it's staying at my desk for two consecutive weekends. So. So that's going to be cool. Brilliant. Well, David, thank you so much for taking the time to being here on uh, Commentator's Corner. Folks, uh, links for Coach Dave Academy and SimGrid's YouTube channels and social media and David's social media will be in the description down below. David, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. I know you've got uh, a busy few weeks ahead in the the run-up to Christmas with SimGrid, Coach Dave Academy and also something that we talked about before we went on air, but... Um, all the very best. Good luck next year with uh, with the two nine six and the LMS, and uh, kick some ass out there. Thanks, thanks to everyone who listened in, and uh, hope you all have a great um, off season. Yeah, so that's it for episode thirty nine. Thank you so much to everyone watching, listening, wherever you are in the world. It's been a real, real pleasure bringing so many great guests to you. There are more in the pipeline. So, if in doubt, flat out, we'll see you next time. Goodbye.